Chapter 11. Archangel. Pastor James sat in front of his laptop, struggling to find words for his Sunday service sermon. His focus waned as he glanced at a framed cherrywood cross with Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 on it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He then looked outside the window, hoping for some inspiration. Instead, he watched the leaves from a nearby tree moving to an indistinct melodic dance from the passing wind. After a few minutes, he looked back at the computer screen and placed his fingers on the keys, but the words didn't come. Ever since, he had that horrible vision of a possible future and the death of his friend Bart. It was becoming more and more difficult to concentrate on his work. His mind continuously wandered over that experience and struggled to make sense out of it throughout the following sleepless nights. The only thing he wanted was an answer, anything that would help him make sense of it all. Desperate for answers, he even gone as far as calling Agent Carter, hoping she could at least shed some light on what had transpired. But when he'd reached her voicemail, he inexplicably left a message that she was in spiritual danger. It was as if his confusion and questions had suddenly been replaced with a deep concern about her safety. He knew her foundation was still rooted in science. As long as she didn't believe in Jesus and God, she was in danger. Despite that concern, he hoped his message had a chance of being returned. When she never returned his call, Pastor James' mind had again obsessively dwelt on what it didn't know. That God will protect you from the darkness that's turned its eye toward you. God, why did I say that? Pastor James mumbled as he blankly stared at the computer screen. He looked back out the window to watch the dancing leaves, allowing his mind to dwell on Agent Carter again, but this time he found himself mumbling a prayer for her. After the prayer, Pastor James shook his head. God, you must really have plans for her. I just can't seem to stop praying for her, the pastor said with widened eyes as his sermon finally hit him. Intercession. The power of interceding on someone's behalf to Jesus. Uh, I'm such a knucklehead. As Pastor James' fingers flew over the keys with his Sunday sermon flowing through them, his guardian angel watched in approval, relieved that the pastor had finally figured out the sermon. He knew that Pastor James was going through a tough time, trying to understand what had transpired with the vision and Bart. But he also knew everything would eventually work out, when the time was right. The guardian angel knew the man before him was too rooted to be confused for long. Once Pastor James gave up trying to piece it all together, God would enlighten him. The guardian angel felt a presence behind him and spun around to see Michael the archangel. Shocked to see an angel of such importance, he fell to one knee, showing respect. Rise, said Michael as he placed a hand on the angel's shoulder. We have much to talk about. Regarding my assignment, Pastor James asked the angel, rising to his feet. Yes and more. There is soon coming a decisive battle we must discuss. You are included in this discussion because of the man you oversee. We must go. The angel glanced at Pastor James and said softly, continue to pray for Agent Carter. After the two angels disappeared, Pastor James clasped both hands and began to pray for Agent Carter again. When he was done, he immediately knew what else to write in his sermon. Moments later, the two celestial beings appeared near the same riverbed Nicole and Brad had visited during their field trip several days ago. With eyes closed, the two stood quietly taking in their surroundings as the wind passed through their flowing white hair. The animals nearby gave them a wide berth, since they did not often see angels among them. 
Little did they know that their serene habitat was going to be visited by many more. One by one, more angels appeared in the area, all with their eyes closed and completely quiet. Only when the area was nearly full of angels did Michael open his eyes. Looking around, he was pleased with the presence of so many of his brothers. Following suit, all of the angels opened their eyes and looked at Michael. This is the place where the Lord has guided us to stand. This is the place where we shall raise a standard against the plans of the enemy. This is the place where the battle will be fought, said Michael, softly but clear enough for all to hear. I know not the hour when it shall come to be, but know this. In an instant, this is where we must fight. We fight for the lives of those the Lord has brought into his fold. We fight yet another battle that will hinder the enemy's plans, and we fight for the glory of God, said Michael. By now, you all know of the Duquesnes and how their faith has led them to this land. They have spread the word of truth through technology and have opened the eyes of many. Such actions have angered the enemy, and he plans to stop this at any cost. In the last such battle to save Sean Duquesne's soul, we saw a much smaller demonic force than what we will see in this conflict. But, at no doubt, we will be victorious. An angelic roar rose from the lips of every celestial being, filling the air with a glorious sound. Every creature close by stopped to listen. Even the wind itself seemed to pause at that very moment, for it was rare to hear such powerful beings knit their voices in unison upon the earth. Once the voices subsided, Michael looked around the field, glancing at every angel there, nearly 20,000. This isn't the first time we've fought such a battle, nor will it be the last. But until that final day when this war is over, we fight for the honor and glory of God. Another shout rose, bringing the sense of electricity throughout the land as every celestial being disappeared, save for Michael and Pastor James' guardian angel. Michael looked at the angel at his side. For you, a far more important battle will be waged. This battle is important to our victory, for Pastor James is the key and your guidance crucial. Coming here? Matt said slowly, demons. Anne-Marie glanced at her son and back at Matt. She knew he needed to know the truth, and she wasn't going to sugarcoat it. They are much too persistent to give up so easily. Why would they come here? They have to come here to stop us from continuing to tell the truth, Henry said. You mean to tell me that you accepted my invitation here even though you knew what was coming? That you? Mr. Bouchard? Henry interrupted. It was not our intention to put anyone here in harm's way. We prayed long and hard about accepting your gracious offer and knew that this was the step we had to make. I can't believe you knew this might happen and didn't tell me, Matt mumbled. Would you have listened? Asked Anne-Marie. Would you have taken us seriously? You probably would have thrown us out right then and there. We had to bring you to the point where you would understand. God made a way for the truth to settle in your heart. Don't let it be diluted with fear. Easy for you to say, Matt said, turning to Sean. So, what do we need? Guns, ammo, some more security forces. I have connections, and getting that won't be a problem. Sean shook his head. I never used a gun on the Dark Assassins, but I really don't think it'll work. It may one of the bodies they possess, but I don't think it'll slow them down. It might make them angrier, I think. These are spiritual beings, and they can't be taken down with physical weapons, he replied. Matt closed his eyes and took a deep breath. You're not going to say that we get on our knees and pray against these things, are you? Because I'd rather stand on my own two feet and take them down with whatever weapon I can find. Mr. Bouchard, said Anne-Marie, we wouldn't look at you any differently if you decided to leave. 
You've been so kind to us. You don't have to stay here and see this through. Matt stared at Anne-Marie in disbelief. Here was a seemingly frail elderly woman telling him to basically leave if he didn't have the heart to face what was going to come. While she and a few others would face an evil, he only recently understood to be present, such inner strength. He marveled at this woman before him and felt ashamed. I've always sought the truth, no matter where it led. I couldn't forgive myself if I left before seeing this to the very end. Matt paused before continuing. Tell me more about these dark assassins. What manner of men are they? Sean opened his Bible to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and started reading from verses 1 through 20 about the demon-possessed man that was saved by Jesus. When he finished, he looked up at Matt. Does that answer your question? I've heard of that before, said Matt. The phrase, we are legion, has been used so much through so many different types of media that I really never gave it much thought. I originally thought it was just Christian belief of how Jesus cleansed a demon-possessed man. There's more to it than just that, said Sean. In the scriptures I just read, it said the possessed man was too strong to be handled by any normal man, and that he had the strength to break the chains that tried to bind him. This indicates he had unnatural strength due to nearly 2,000 unclean spirits possessing him. Well, the people I came across were far stronger than what was written here in the Bible. I don't know if it was due to either the number of demons they were possessed by or the type of demons. But what the Bible shows us is that these people do exist. They may exist as this man, and may even vary with different levels of strength or demonic possession. I'm just saying that these dark assassins are such men that must have given themselves over to this type of possession for whatever reason. But if they're men, then they can be killed. Matt said, still not fully grasping the nature of someone being possessed. Yes, the actual person they possess could be killed. What would it take to take them down? I don't know, but don't forget how they can just jump to another physical body. Pigs? Sean nodded. Or another person? What would prevent them from jumping into? Uh, let's say, you. Matt remained silent, contemplating how to fight a foe that couldn't be physically harmed and could move from body to body. He concluded it was impossible to fight such a thing. I don't know. It's hopeless, he concluded. Not entirely, said Sean. Remember, others tried to bind the man physically and with chains to no avail. But when Jesus approached him, the spirits inside the man recognized his power. Here, let me read it again. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus had authority over the demon and forced it to leave the man. Later, we see the demon asking permission to leave the man and entering a herd of pigs. So, we see Jesus has the authority, and even demons must ask permission in the presence of the true power of God. Sean paused to see if Matt truly understood before continuing. Only through Christ can we defeat these things, Matthew. They're spiritual beings, and only through the Spirit can they be defeated, cast down, and put in their place. Matt breathed deeply before speaking. So, you are saying prayer is the only way. Yes, Anne-Marie jumped in, unable to contain herself. Prayer is a powerful thing, more powerful than any physical weapon. But don't forget, you must also have the Spirit of Christ in you or prayer is nothing but words. In the Bible, I think in the book of Acts, there were some that tried to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. 
but never accepted Jesus in their hearts. Those men were nearly killed by those demons. You see, demons know and yield before God's power, which flows through Jesus and those that, yes, yes, I know, those that accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Matt interrupted, let's just say my faith is nowhere close to where yours is right now. I believe everything you've told me so far, but I, I just can't see myself getting on my knees as these things rush my complex. How about me and my men blow the hell out of their physical bodies and you all make sure they spiritually find no access to anyone else, forcing them back to wherever they came from? Amory looked at Sean, who shrugged. There was no way they could force Matt into having the level of faith to have power over demons. That would come in time, and hopefully sooner than later. For now, it was an answer to a prayer just to have him on their side. The two celestial beings appeared near the throne room of God and kneeled, waiting for permission to proceed. Before them were a multitude of heavenly beings, lifting up songs of praise and worship, with melodious voices, constantly filling the atmosphere with a blissful sound. All around the two were structures of gold and luminous white. Even the surrounding air seemed to possess a soft white glow, as numerous angels hovered above, flapping their wings and either singing or playing instruments. The area exuded an indescribable feeling of serenity and peace. After an inexplicable amount of time, Michael stood and guided the other angel to his feet. Looking down at the angel, Michael smiled and nodded that it was time. When Michael placed his hand on the angel's shoulder, the two were immediately transported in front of the throne of God. They immediately fell prostrate on the floor, covering their heads with their wings for the very presence of God was so powerful that only a select few could gaze upon it. Rise, Michael. God's voice echoed throughout the throne room. Michael rose, removing the wings from his head, though his eyes remained downcast. The light coming from the throne was so powerful that he could look with only brief glances. Michael always felt a sense of wonder at these meetings as he considered talking to an omniscient being. There wasn't really much he could say as God already knew everything, but he was pleased that God would speak to him anyway. You've done well, my trustworthy archangel. Michael remained silent. Know that they are taking this coming battle very seriously and will use every weapon they deem necessary to win. Michael looked up at the throne and was immediately dazed from the blinding light. He maintained his gaze as long as he could, showing that he was ready and able to face any challenge. It is unknown in most, but Samyaza will release Vethas Naiva. Blinking in disbelief at hearing the Seraph's name, Michael recalled how, after the rebellion, God banned Vethas Naiva's name from ever being mentioned in the throne room. It was shocking when both angels and archangels rebelled. But for a Seraph to fall from grace was, well, inconceivable. Vethas Naiva was the only Seraph to reject God. Michael quickly regained his composure and waited for God to continue. Not even Vethas Nibba knows of this time, but it will come to pass. You must confront your fallen counterpart. Michael nodded in obedience, not once doubting the wisdom of God. Michael, it is important that only you confront Vethas Nibba during the battle. That fallen Seraph must not join the major conflict as he will be ordered to. What say you? I, Michael, hear and obey the one true God. It will be done by your command, said Michael still staring at the bright throne of God. After a few seconds, he looked down and placed a hand on the other prostate angel. Immediately, the two were transported back to Pastor James. It was important for you to experience all that transpired, said Michael to the guardian angel as he rose to his feet. 
It's necessary that you tell Pastor James all that you've heard and seen so he will know how important his intercession is. I will, said the guardian angel slowly. Do you have a question? asked Michael, noticing the hesitation. Forgive me, but wasn't Bethes Nibo, one of the select few with Semiaza, that stormed the throne room of God and tried to usurp his power? asked the guardian angel. Yes. Bethes Nibo was of great strength and power, one of the select seraphim that was ever in God's presence. There were only a few that rivaled his authority. He was once higher than yourself. That was true. Bethes Nibo was once greater than I, but he is now out of God's grace. He relinquished his power and authority once he followed Semiaza. Trust in God. I knew Michael, said the guardian angel. Please don't take my question as a sign of doubt. The angel placed a hand on Michael's shoulder. I will do what is asked of me. Go with God. Michael smiled. As do you, my brother, 